Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Welcome back to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast, folks, where we go back and we watch every episode of Smallville and then we review it. Yes, we're doing this. Uh, the show that changed our lives forever. Uh, maybe it changed your lives. If you're watching it for the first time, we welcome you. This is a lot of fun. We're enjoying ourselves. And uh, hey, welcome uh, Ryan Teas, who is not feeling well. He uh, he has a bad cold. It's not COVID, but we're not going to talk to him much today. That's that's fine. I appreciate that. And that sucks. Clammy, clammy, clammy. Uh, hey, I'm can on I the tell you, Can I tell you guys a quick story? Uh, today I was at the store and I had to load the stuff up in my truck and these two guys were helping me. And the one guy was like, Hey Tom. And the other guy was like, I, I could hear that. They were like, uh, how do you know him? Whatever. And the guy's like, Oh, Smallville. He goes, no effing way. Like way too loud. And I was like, yeah, man, how you doing? He goes, I watch the episode. I watch Smallville once a week still. And I'm like, really? Do you know what the podcast? He goes, you guys have a podcast. And this dude hit me with his open palm in the chest. Jeez. <laughs> like Elaine from friends. He goes, boom. And I was like, bro. And he's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then we, he spent 10 minutes apologizing, but he's very excited that there's a podcast. Welcome, dude, wherever you are who hit yeah. Tom hard in the chest. <laughs> uh, uh, welcome, Tom. How you doing today, bud? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Thank you. Yeah. yeah it's an interesting episode, I thought. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to call in and leave your questions for this episode, make sure you get uh, some for future episodes. Our hotline is 213-538-2883. That's 213-538-2883. And our socials, we love it. it look, we're a new podcast, so it's important that you follow us on our handles and mostly write a review and subscribe. Those are the big things. Um, Talkville Podcast, at Talkville Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. That's easy. And Talkville Podcast at Talkville Pod on the Twitter. Um, also, got a shout out to our lovable patrons, uh, patreon.com slash Talkville. And it's it's really important. And thank you all top, all, all patrons. And we're going to give the shout outs after the show to all the top tier patrons. And you know what? We've got shirts. I think shirts are, are, we're ready to go. We do? They just sent me these shirts and they're awesome. Should I run and get one? Say locals only? Uh, yeah. Here we go. Oh, look, look at that. Not exactly slimming. But... And a good quality shirt, too. I got to tell you, I was surprised how soft it is. Here's another shirt. I like that one. Look at that. That's a good one. These are large. I'm a medium, so I can't wear them. But uh, nonetheless, you're more, a, uh, you're more of a medium, aren't you? We're really excited about this. We've had some great episodes. And uh, today we're going to discuss without you. Know, let's just get into it. Let's get into season one, episode 16. This is Stray. You know, I, I think that's why when you said 16, that made a lot of sense to me because I said to you just before we started, I'm like, I really don't remember doing this episode. You really and don't. I think, I, I think it's because we were 16 episodes in and I was probably hitting some version of a wall yeah um, 
watching this episode was all new to me all of it wow whoa crazy all right the title is straight aired april 16th 2002 the director was paul shapiro don't recall him writers al goff miles miller philip levins guest star ryan kelly as ryan james jim shot shield as james gibson and brandy ledford as deborah birch i sort of i remember jim i remember all of them I remember all those actors vaguely, but I do remember them. I remember they were nice. I remember Brandy was nice. Um, Ryan looked familiar to me, but I, I like. You didn't remember have, like, little Ryan? I mean, I was like, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup, to be honest. And that's no, that's not his fault. I think I was just hitting a wall at some point in the first season. Um, I, he seemed really nice. <laughs> I just. <laughs> Um, I thought he did a fantastic job. I really did. He really brought those tears. I, I think they were his own tears too. I don't think he got any glycerin. There's a trick folks that if you can't cry or you're just run out of tears, um, or makeup artist, Natalie will come over and she'll, she has this little device where she blows glycerin in your eyes It's menthol or menthol and yeah, menthol. it what makes your eyes well up and they're like all right roll camera roll camera and then it's a, you know, it's a menthol cigarette that she would smoke and she'd blow it in your eyes she'd blow it in your eyes i remember i did that on impasture just to get my eyes all you know and it just puffed my eyes out and i looked like shit in that episode it was like what the hell am i doing so anyway the synopsis martha kent injures mind reading ryan in a car accident and he fakes amnesia to get away from his criminal step parents his step parents hatch an elaborate plan to steal him back and use his abilities to rob lex luthor luther uh you know well let's get into it let's talk about it but um they weren't after his comic book collection yeah which greg beeman did the artwork for the uh the comic book and the comic book was what what was it called warrior angel warrior angel you know what i i i sit corrected i did remember that yeah i remember greg showing me i'm like who drew that that looks great he's like i did and speaking of greg beeman if we're lucky enough in about 20 minutes or so he's going to come on the zoom and he's going to talk to us about what he recalls perhaps from smallville remember he was a big showrunner he became the showrunner of, of smallville he directed a lot of the big episodes most of the great episodes he directed uh he directed movies like license to drive back in the 80s he's done a lot of stuff and he was a joy to be around he and i sold a tv show together it didn't get bought but someone stole it and they made another show out of it um anyway here we go let's go to the uh play-by-play opening scene we see ryan in a pawn shop getting a break from the shop owner on a figurine uh after telling them his parents are dead we learn ryan was only inside to see what the pawn shop safe combination was which he shares with his step parents james gibson and deborah birch i i thought he did a great job selling um that he wasn't there to do i I, he he did a good job lying his character did in that moment yeah you could sort of tell that he didn't he didn't want to lie but he sort of had to usually you could see already the wheels turning and uh you know well what's the matter (laughs) just the sun for those listening michael has just changed glasses it doesn't matter to anyone listening but if you're watching well, there was the re- a wardrobe change. The reason I change glasses is because those are more for like hanging out with people because I don't, they're not a strong prescription. But when I'm reading off this, I realized I can't read this. 
So I needed to put on my stronger glasses. In fact, Tom just put on his stronger glasses. Um, Ryan, did you bring any glasses? Today? By the way, we're on episode 16 of 22 for the first season. Um, we're really excited. We're barreling through uh, barreling through them. So here we go. Uh, James and Deborah then enter the shop to rob the place and end up shooting and killing the old shop owner. When Ryan sees this, he flees. I thought this was pretty brutal. In fact, a lot of this episode, there were some brutal deaths. I mean, just gun and down people it was like holy crap you know this is smallville and we're just you know he just blasted that old man and i felt uh felt kind of bad for him you know i was like yeah Ooh. it was a it was a straight up kill um a lot of times it's oh you're in the car and i'm gonna pour gasoline over the top of the car the mercedes and set you on fire and let's see what happens but <laughs> it's still pretty brutal yeah that's still pretty brutal but you know let's see what happens yeah this is like this is very um on purpose and later on, we're going to talk about when Lex gets thrown out of the limo. We had talked about that earlier about my stuntman who was able to jump out of the limousine at 60 miles an hour, but he couldn't jump off the second floor of something. But that's that was the stunt. If you guys recall in the previous episode, I discussed it. I, re- I remember seeing that and and physically going like when his head hit the ground. Oh, man. I oh, yeah. I remember him bleeding. No. Uh, and we'll talk about that, too, because I have a little problem with on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. It's like, Lex, and there's Clark. And I don't turn around. I made sure I, I told the director, I remember that where I was. Uh, I, I said, you know, I'm not going to turn around. So you have to cover me because also if I turn around, it looks kind of weird. I'm, I'm in my own pain. You know, I don't want to be able to see him and what he's it's doing. It's 45 more minutes. Yes. Yeah, we have to be here. So uh, (laughs) Ryan flees. He runs across a road where he is hit by Martha Kent driving and shocked by this. Martha goes to help Ryan and rushes him to the hospital. He was pretty much laid out. I mean, he was hit by a car. He had no internal damage. He just had some scrapes. And uh, anyway, at the hospital, Ryan doesn't show any serious injuries from the crash, but the doctor states he may be in post-traumatic shock. Yeah, because he has no caregiver, he will have to spend the night in juvenile detention before CPS can pick him up. But Clark suggests he stays with them. And that's because his parents aren't his parents. Mm -hmm. But we don't know that, do we? We don't know that yet. Or is he protecting them? We don't know. I don't think he's protecting them. I think he's trying to get the hell away from them. Uh, at the Kent farm the next day, Ryan prepares food for everyone by guessing the way he likes their breakfast. It kind of amazes me that this kid can make such an elaborate breakfast, goes into their... Did, I mean, did they have that much pancake mix just already? I mean, it's Martha Kent, I, for God's sakes. I mean, I guess. But they just had all these things ready to go. That's like that's I, a big I can't breakfast. remember one freaking time Kent <laughs> sat down for pancakes in this episode. And I like that he can't read Clark's mind. That was kind of cool that he can't read your mind. Just like, you yeah, know. Yeah, but why not? Like, it was cool he couldn't, but I didn't know why. You're an alien. Huh? Because you're an alien. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Better Help. You know, a lot of us wish we had more time, but time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you could do more of it. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can help everyone be the best they can be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Listen, 
Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TalkVille today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TalkVille. TalkVille is brought to you by Good Chop. If you haven't heard us talk about this, uh, this this is unbelievable. This is an unbelievable company. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on schedule. I cooked some of these steaks and it was the best meat I've had. And I'm not, I want, I'm going to name drop, but I went, I won't name drop. I went to my friend Skeet's house and we barbecued and I put these on the grill and I don't know what it was, but good shop completely sold me. Uh, you can choose from over 70 high quality cuts, 100% grass-fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free-range and organic chicken breast, pork tenderloin, thick-cut bacon. Uh, they also have wild-caught seafood, salmon, Pacific cod, scallop, shrimp, and more. Tom, have you had this? No, this is good stuff, guys. Um, I've had it all, and I want more. I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to be say Yeah, it's... Uh, I really am. When I get these boxes, I get so excited because I know I'm going to be fed for the week. And what's great is it doesn't cost a fortune for this great. You could have quality meats. Uh, Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. And unlike a lot of companies, Tom, Good Chop sources its meat and seafood exclusively from American farms and fisheries, so you can support local family farms and independent ranchers right here in the U.S. The products are vacuum-sealed. And frozen at peak freshness so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want, just like I do. Good Shop especially prides itself on sourcing meat that comes with no antibiotics or added hormones ever. No artificial ingredients, only the good stuff. And, you know, they're so they're so confident in this product, as am I and Tom here, uh, that they offer 100% money-back guarantee here. So love Good Shop or get your money back this stuff's the real deal if you want delicious meats or seafood this is the place good chop go to goodchop.com slash talkville 120 and use code talkville 120 to get 120 dollars off across your first four boxes that's code at talkville 120 at goodchop.com slash talkville 120 for 120 dollars off good shop dot com slash talkville 120 code talkville 120 so he prepares food for everyone he's not able to guess clark's preference clark goes to connect with ryan who is concerned nobody believes him or will like him if they know his past the two shoot hoops and have a nice brotherly scene together back at the hospital and i thought that was really nice too i thought your connection with him was really nice that's why i'm surprised that you don't remember stuff because it was really sweet and it was just like you were very uh you were a good big brother and it was like uh, it was nice to see I mean, it, listen, again, it all seems very familiar. I just don't have, like, accolades from, like, when we weren't filming. I don't have, like, I don't know. It's yeah, really yeah. Strange. Back at the hospital, James, Ryan's stepfather, poses as a detective looking for Ryan. He just had, like, a weird kind of psycho look to him, didn't he? <laughs> he just looked like he was kind of a bad guy. I remember meeting him in real, real life, and he was he was sweet as can be, but, like, he, he fit that character pretty <laughs> damn good. At Luther Mansion, Lex is, is visited by Lionel. Lex, who offers him a new position. Position in Metropolis, a special advisor to the chairman after more than adequate performance down in Smallville. Who's the, do, do we know who the chairman is? Because I would think it would be Lionel, no? Lionel's just the CEO. 
I think he's well. Lex would be second. Lex, would you like to be my special advisor? Lex. It's always nice to see uh, John Glover, right? Uh, We always like to see him come in and have a little Lionel Lex moment. You know, it's just like there's definitely a moment in that where he says, "You've been waiting for this your whole life, Lex." And Lex says, "I've been waiting for other things too, Dad," or something like saying, "I love you," like you know. And that's something I can relate. Lex and Rosenbaum (laughs) can sort of relate because my dad never said it either. I never heard that from him. So I was like, I remember being in that moment. Sometimes I would take that, you know, su- subtext or the uh, or my life and my relationship with my father, and I would use it sometimes. Come in flaunting his gorgeous mane of hair in front of your face. Just... <laughs> exactly. God, my father used to do that. No, my father did they, did. did they spend, you know, if they spent extra time on his hair, like just to make it, like, was it the same person who was shaving your head on the, the makeup? Um, no, well, no. Natalie was the makeup artist who shaved my head. The hairstylist was... Um, why did I just go blank? The two of them, <laughs> the guy and the woman, uh, Christine, Christine, did, who passed we, Christine, away. We did God bless her. I love Christine. I loved you so much. You were she, such a sweetheart. She was great. I, I, I enjoyed her very much, but I enjoyed your relationship with her because you didn't have any hair. And so she didn't, the, the relationship you had with her was just friendship Yeah, because it was not professional. Yeah. It was like, she had no use for you. Yeah, true. She got me. And what was the other guy's name? Why can't I remember it? Oh, yeah. He was. He had nice hair. He was. Yeah. He was there for years. Why can't we remember his name? It's because it's been 10 years since the show ended or more. Um, I know everybody's going to kill me who's listening. I know Troy Rudolph is going to be giving me shit. Uh, Clark. I I definitely think that Troy knows. Um, Yeah. I, I the other thing I was going to ask you is like what's what's what was more ex- exhilarating watching line watching John Glover show up on set or walking into the trailer and seeing him in there because he always had something happening you know what I mean he always had an energy he always has an he did he always just had something going on so many fun stories with John Glover it just was always a treat when you're in a bad mood he would just go oh like look at this yeah. guy who's in a bad mood and he would kind of oh, laugh are you at in a you. bad mood he would laugh yeah. like okay okay we won't talk to Michael <laughs> <laughs> it was just and it helps because you acknowledge it and then it disappears yeah it's kind of like oh am i upset who cares I'm, I'm lucky to be here clark brings ryan to school to meet chloe at the torch she hears his story and compares it to a german folklore of casper <laughs> hauser who was found in the woods before correctly finishing the tragic ending of the story ryan does it for her seemingly reading her mind ryan uses his powers to tell clark and chloe likes him that clark, chloe likes him and wants him to ask her to the dance i thought that was rude but uh, anyway, she's always had it out for him. Or in for him. <laughs> yeah, in for him. Clark then parades Ryan to the Talon, parades, to meet Lana. Lex shows up and admires Ryan's Warrior Angel comic book, saying he owns the entire series. Ryan's rude to Lex throughout the conversation, and Clark asks why. Ryan tells him Lex is leaving for another job soon anyway. This causes Clark to tell Ryan to stop making up all these stories. So, Clark, uh, I have a secret. Chloe is in love with you. Hey, uh, what's this deal with the guy Lex? Don't worry, he's leaving town soon. Like, where's the discretion? Yeah. This kid has no discretion. <laughs> like, where's yeah. the... I'm like, hey, dude, this is not the way to make friends, all right? Clark, Lex is in love with you. Like, what? I wonder what he would say, like, if I, he was asking, like, he was talking to me, would, would the first thing would come up. Hey, Clark, this guy's having a panic attack. <laughs> I don't know why, but geez, this guy needs some help. I don't know. 
James arrives to the town and sends Ryan coming out the back door. James pursues, but Ryan is able to hide in a dumpster. Clark runs out back to save Ryan before he is compacted with other trash in the trash truck he was unknowingly dumped into. Once Clark saves him, he says, don't worry, you're safe now, which is the same thing the warrior angel said in the last frame of the comic that Ryan was reading. I didn't know that. Oh, it was framed. They they made a point of zooming in on that panel that he was reading. Yeah, I didn't. And then, yeah, then he got chased and then, yeah. And then Clark opens up the thing and it's the exact same as the panel. Pretty neat. very deliberate very deliberate yeah. it was pretty cool in the the trash compactor too i felt like star wars when the thing's closing in yeah. they're dying can't you hear them i, I don't remember <laughs> i don't remember when in the next nine years of this show but at one point maybe some fans remember they painted a warrior angel on a background somewhere um and we didn't talk about it but i remember being like hey is it that and they're like yeah from season one so if anybody remembers what episode that is, please let us know. Wow. Back at Kent Farm, Lex makes his way into the barn to talk with Clark. Clark talks about what it's like to having a sibling, and Lex talks about the younger brother he had before he tragically passed away as an infant. This leads to a major split in the Luther family. I thought this was a really nice moment, and um, it was sad. It's another piece to the puzzle, and it kind of gives you more subtext of who what Lex has been through. And we don't even know what really happened, which we will find out later in the series. What happened to his brother, Julian? We know that he died in his crib, but there's more to it than that. Let's just say that. I don't want to give any spoilers away for those listening. But uh, it was pretty, it was a good conversation. It was like, you know, Clark was a little, it was like a little awkward because he's like, he didn't know what to say to Lex. And, you know, I'm sorry. And I just thought that was a really good scene. It was kind of powerful. And it was just the two of us hanging out. I think those scenes between us are, are pretty good. They're pretty, I pretty think this solid. might be Ryan's favorite scene of the episode. I'm, I'm going to go to record right now, only because it's so revealing. You don't expect it. Clark is surprised when Lex talks about the job offer he was offered and is curious if Lex told Ryan about that or not. Um, the next day, Jonathan takes Ryan to a film festival at the Talon while there, Ryan talks with Lana and shares that he thinks Clark has been hiding something. When Ryan and Jonathan get back home to the Kent farm, we see the step-parents have found him as James and Deborah are watching outside. Clark and Chloe go to investigate the crash site where Ryan was hit to better understand where he came from and amazingly find a bright blue backpack mere feet from the road they examine the, the bag first and time we see the spaceship by the way in the series yeah it was yeah i want to talk about that they examine the bag and find a picture of ryan with his mother then clark confronts chloe about ryan saying she wants to go to the dance with clark back at the kent farm clark catches ryan looking at his spaceship that he stowed away ryan uses his moment of vulnerability to confide in clark that he can read people's minds Ryan vows to keep his secret and even offers to share what Lana's secret is, but Clark denies it. Later that night at the Kent Farm, Deborah arrives impersonating CPS to take Ryan away. Clark arrives home 15 minutes later to hear the news. He is greeted by Lex, who rolls up in a limo and presents Clark with a sword before his night out in Metropolis. As Lex leaves, we see a shot of the limo driver and find out that it is Ryan's stepfather, James. I thought that conversation between us was just stupid, but we needed to get Lex in a limo. <laughs> It was just ridiculous. I literally came there and go, here's a sword. I haven't decided yet. Here's a sword. It's not even a sword. It's a foil. <laughs> it's, it's, it just was the stupidest thing I've ever imagined. You, But do you, do you recall having those feelings before the scene? 
and then just sort of like no. buckling up and being like, you know, I got to sell it. This is my job. This is why I'm here. I got to sell this yeah, stuff. That's what you do. You just sell it. And I just, that's your job. But now watching it years later, I'm just like, what is this scene? This scene does nothing except it does get Lex in the limo, which we need to get him in. And he's always driving, but this time he's taking a limo. I guess we're going to Metropolis. So we'll take a limo this time. And God forbid Lex is, you know, doesn't know his uh, driver. Don't you think he has the same driver he trusts and he's got some oh. weird fuck oh. driving he's got his a limo? New driver, just like he's got new security guards all the time. Yeah, what is going on? <laughs> Good By the Lord. Way, that, that episode that I just talked about earlier in this podcast of uh, pouring the gasoline on the Mercedes, in that scene, you go, you said to Clark and, and the other character, you're like, hop in and you're going to Metropolis together. You're under the influence of the kryptonite, but at least that time, even under the influence, you're going to drive. But this time, no. No. Mid-ride, the limo pulls over. Ryan is thrown into the back with Lex, and James attacks Lex, informing him that they want the password access to his Luther Trust Fund. Ryan reads his mind to discover it's Julian, making Lex useless to them and thrown out of the moving car. Sorry, question. Do kids who have trust funds, are they allowed to have the password? I thought that was the whole thing. Who knows? I don't think you're a lot. Once you're over 18. Well, Brian, do you have the password to my trust fund? No. (laughs) Right. Trust fund. Um, No, but also the kid made it up like because it wasn't the password. Right, right. But he must have. Because Julian was on his mind. He was on his mind. Exactly. That's the only thing he could read because he doesn't. He obviously doesn't have the password. Chloe shows up to the Kent farm and shares a picture of Ryan's stepfather with Clark, who instantly recognizes him as Lex's limo driver. Clark springs into action. James, Deborah, and Ryan pull in front of a bowling alley, of course, where they use a laptop to try and enter the Luther account to access the funds. I don't think people go bowling enough. I love bowling. I don't. Not since COVID. Every time I go bowling, I think to myself, why don't I do this more often? I miss bowling. Bowling is fun. My back always hurts when I go bowling. Ryan gives them the wrong password and then pins James and Deborah against each other, saying James was planning to flip after getting the money. He's going to kill her. This shocks Deborah and James, ending up shooting. He ends up shooting and killing her in the parking lot. This was like, holy crap, another two murders. And then the guy, the janitor, walks out. Three murders. He then he kills the bowling alley janitor. Good Lord. I, I got the feeling like he he just started killing people because uh, how did he get along this no, well, he's been killing people. He, if, he, if you he? don't care, if you're just killing people like that, you've killed people before. Oh, uh, okay. As James is shooting into the lanes at, at the cosmic bowling alley, Clark shows up to save him, to, sh- to save uh, Ryan. <laughs> to shave him. To shave him. <laughs> just before Ryan is shot, Clark chucks a bowling ball across the alley, through a wall, and into the chest of James, knocking him out. I thought that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I, I thought that was cool. I thought that was a good idea. I thought it would kill him, though. You hit that hard with a bowling ball. It was going to crush your chest. Probably. He went through the wall first. Yeah, the wall slowed it down. Well, it doesn't tell you if he died or not, does it? I bet he's not dead. I bet it's, this it is one collapsed of those, longer, too. This is one of those Clark knocks someone unconscious kind of things. Clark takes Ryan into the town to say goodbye to Lana, who gives him a goodbye kiss. Ooh. At the Luther Mansion, let's... let's Lionel know that he is not ready to turn to uh, return to Metropolis yet. Before Ryan leaves for Edge City with his aunt, he says goodbye to the Kent family and tells them he knows Clark's secret but plans to keep it. We then get played out gently to Superman by five for fighting as Clark gets warned by Ryan to be careful with Lex and gifted his warrior angel comic mm-hmm. collection. I can't stand to fly. I was waiting 
all fucking season for that song to appear. I'm not that night. Nice. And I thought it was going to be the finale because it is it, it's the most on quintessential, the nose, very popular. But More they chose this episode. I couldn't believe. You that. know, I, I. It's so funny that. I, I, maybe it's not funny. I think it's funny. I've, you know, the song's out there. Everybody knows about it. And when I'm around people and the song comes on at a restaurant or on the radio, everybody goes, hey, have you? I'm like, yeah. I yeah, yeah, I've heard that <laughs> yeah. freaking song. Yeah. You I've know heard, what I like? I like that Ryan yeah. tells him to be careful with about Lex. But what I like about it, he says his mind is filled with darkness or something. He's got a lot of dark thoughts. He didn't give away like he's planning on doing all these evil things. He just, because everything surfaced. He can only get what surfaced. But he's got a lot of darkness in his mind and just be careful. And that was kind of cool. Kind of gave me I chills. I got this sense that like he can't read Clark's mind and that's confusing. But I also got the sense that he couldn't get into Lex's mind. I just thought that he thought that there was a layer there. That's what I got from too it, cloudy, cool. too too much going on. Yeah. Uh, the actor Joe. Here's interesting things of note, folks. Interesting things of note. Can we add music to that. Uh, the actor Joe Maffei, who plays the bowling alley worker in episode, also plays the newsstand slash coffee stand guy in Metropolis in seasons eight, nine, and ten. Ryan Kelly, who plays Ryan James, was 15 years old during the filming of this episode, which would make him the exact age that Clark Kent, Lana Lang, Chloe Sullivan, and Pete Ross are all supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, he was only, he was like only what, 18 years younger than you at the time? The, can you believe he's actually the right age to be playing Clark? <laughs> And you were 25 or 26. The climax I remember, shot. I remember him at the, uh, at the casting uh, for the role. Was, <laughs> yeah, was, right. It was <laughs> me. The climax shot was shot. I like that. The climax was shot on location in a bowling alley in Richmond, B.C., Canada named Lois Lanes. Cool. In the cafe, Lex Luthor mentions he likes the comic book character of Warrior Angel, a play on Superman, particularly because he is bald. Ryan is the first character with an ability not due to meteor rock infection. Do we know where, do we know how? We don't know how. He just has. He, he just can can't. just read minds. He's like a If you could me. read my mind, love. You could read my mind. What a tale my thoughts could tell. And he's... Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here. Thanks for being here, Greg. Thanks for having me. 
Johnny Cash. I kept hearing about it, and I thought, wait, how come I've not been on? You know what's funny is we talk about you every, every episode, episode Beeman. You were you started out as a director and became the showrunner and the mastermind behind a lot of the stuff that went on small. Everybody really liked working with you. You worked fast. You were creative. You were collaborative. We just adore you, and we're glad you're here, and we hope that you'll come back a few times throughout the series when we talk about it. Good. Yeah, it's better. To, if you're going to talk about me, I should be here. <laughs> what do you remember? What's your the, the first memory that comes to you when you think of Smallville, when you think of working on Smallville, the first thing that comes to your head? Well, first of all, you know, I was I was I was booked that year to direct a whole bunch of episodes and I was kind of excited. I was going to do Malcolm in the Middle. I was going to do NYPD Blue. And and I knew Miles and Al because I'd worked with them on another show. And so my agent sent me Smallville, but I had no idea what it was. Right. So I put in the VHS tape and I was watching it <laughs> and I, you know, I knew that they were offering me to do an episode, but I didn't had no idea what the show was. So I'm watching it and like, it's the opening is with like Lionel and this little red haired kid and this and that. And then there was a moment when the, the meteors land and there's that big explosion. And when little, little Lex is laying there in the cornfield with his, with no hair, I suddenly said, Oh my God, this is Superman. <laughs> This is Superman. No one had told me, right? I just got a videotape. I was, and so I went up there. Oh, that's cool. To to do episode three, Hothead. Yes. And and so there was this moment when like um Tom, there was a moment where like a coach, there was a fire or something, and their coach was caught in the car, and and we had a we had this door on a wire, and Tom grabbed it and pulled, and I remember kind of making a couple of adjustments to make it better, and then it was like my second or third day of shooting, and Tom pulled the door off the car and threw it, and I remember thinking like. Fucking love this show. This is so cool. <laughs> I love this show. This is awesome. Like it was just a job at first, right? And I and and then to tell you the truth, then what happened was I could see that there was like a lot of chaos going on. And Miles and Al were in LA and they were remote and there was things I kind of got the feeling like that not the people behind the scenes on the ground in Vancouver didn't know how to make the show at that point in time. And I sort of got in my mind, like, wait a second, they don't know how to make the show. Miles and Al did, but they were not there. And I was like, I know how to make this show. So I kind of started a campaign with my agents of like, let these guys know if there's any reason that they want me to stay. Like, I'd like that. Like, I could see myself really being on this show full time. So I kind of like started a campaign with Miles and Al through my agents to propose to them the idea that if they wanted me to stay, I could see myself doing that. And uh, well, I, I'm so glad you did, because one of the things that we talk about frequently uh, when it comes to you on the show is that you you were able to kind of bring this heart and soul and confidence to the show, which I needed. And then even later on in this in 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 the years, you would come in and direct huge episodes, and it was always like, "Oh, Beeman's going to direct it. Okay, we're we're going to be fine." It was just such a confidence. Um, Thanks, Tom. And I'm so glad. You, you, I, I mean that with all my heart. And it's uh, I think your your fingerprint is all over this series for sure. Yeah, I agree too. And Tom and Greg, you know, I always think of like. When it, you you say about chaotic, there's so much chaos going on on the show. Can you explain some of that? Because I know you as someone who's a fighter who really believes in things that you're going to fight for it. And then there's that Beeman who completely shuts down, who's almost like, all right, I'm done. I've said my thing. I'm stop. I, I just remember the Beeman who's like, no, no. Then yeah. then you're like, when I'm you feel defeated, you just you just get really quiet. Well, you get I, really sorry, quiet. Greg, real quick, but I I recall I don't remember what the circumstances was. But there's one point where you had walked into one scene, like I know this is so vague, and you were like, okay, here's what we're gonna do, and you were like, this, 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 and somebody said something, you were like, 
What did I just say? And it was it wasn't rude. You're, you've never been rude. It was nothing. But you're just like, well, what I've, did been, I say? I've been rude. I was more of a dick back then. I've worked on that uh, a lot. Uh, you know, the show has a certain amount of like, let's face the facts. The show, especially at its moment in history with the level of where technology was at in 2002 and three and, you know, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, the level, the level of technology, because I've done other shows since then, you know, just like what you can do with wire pulls, what you can do with programming in, you, you can reprogram wire moves and stuff that we used to have to do in this kind of very old fashioned way. And visual effects have become so much easier to do. It was the beginning, right? Small is the beginning of a whole genre that's now commonplace. And I and and I think that we were learning how to do it for the entire industry, if you want to know the truth. Yeah. Like we were learning how to make that show for the entire industry. So it 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 was chaotic. Partly there's nothing you could do about that. If you're gonna write gigantic fight scenes, you know, and gigantic and people throwing each other 35 feet and you know, buildings falling down and barns exploding and all the stuff that we did routinely in a in an era when no one's done that before and you didn't and 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 you have to learn how to do it before you do it like and you have to really figure out how we're going to do this thing that no one's ever done on tv they've done it in movies but we, no one's done it like on a an eight or nine day shoot there's a certain amount of chaos that goes into that why i think season one was really chaotic it was just under budgeted it's a classic problem that you know what the studio thought it was going to cost wasn't what it cost and Frankly, I also think Miles and I were writing like it was there was a huge discrepancy between what the studio had the budget at and what Miles and I were writing because they were writing action and special effects in like scene after scene. after. I remember one scene, right? What was it? Lex got Clark's power. So you were there was something in the script that we never did where Lex was just like walking down the street, hitting, hitting, um, parking, you know, like the parking, parking meters, meters and the chain and change was falling out. Like he was just walking down and smashing 15 parking meters in a row. We never ended up doing that, but that was just like a thing between, you know, he was just walking down the street from point A to point B. So Miles and I were writing this gigantic, you know, epic with huge visual effects and even small stunts and visual effects in every single scene. And the studio had budgeted, you know, a show about a boy in a farm in a, in a, <laughs> and, a, and, and, and classroom scenes, right? That was literally like the conversations I would I had with the, the guy. Love, who was by the way, I love this story because every time he he would have punched, it's literally money. It's just money falling on the ground. <laughs> like, and, I, you know, and there was money. this whole long debate. There was a whole debate about okay, so we're we gonna are we gonna make are we gonna make fifteen shatterable you know parking meters full of change or are we gonna do it digitally and like how many like. It was just an astronomical number for a shot where someone was going to walk down the street, literally just going into the bakery. It was just something to do as they were walking down the street. So anyway, um, both by season two, like the both those things worked to the middles, right? The, the, the studio gave us more money and they started writing a little more reasonably, especially when Bob Hargrove came on. What was the uh, biggest um, hurdle? that you recall in those early in that early season when you started as you know showrunner when they made that call to you and they said hey greg we do want you for some more we want you to be uh, more of an integral part of this show like greg goes did you hey, let me know if you finished jitters yet before i accept this job <laughs> <laughs> even you know jitter, um, even you remember that i directed half of jitters oh my god so so what you, what was the biggest hurdle you know all of season one Remember, we brought a new. I don't even really blame the guy who was the original line producer. I think he was just in overwhelm, and he had literally been told that he was going to be making a much smaller show than than the scripts that were coming in. I mean, okay, I'll tell you my other early experience. So I got my script. So Hothead, right? See episode three, right? Um, I, the first time I read it was on the plane flying up, and I'm reading it, and it's like 
There's a scene where the coach, you know, the coach's head is on fire. There's a scene where he's yelling at the, at the kids. Um, he's yelling at his football players and the sprinklers start shooting out fire. There's a scene where Allison is in the, um, torch. The, the torch office and the torch office catches on fire. And then she's running and it, and it said a, a living, breathing wall of flame chases her. Like that's what the script said. Like in every other scene, there was like, oh yeah, there's a gigantic fire scene. And then Clark's Clark knocks out the, Clark walks through a wall of fire, knocks out the bad coach. It was on. It went on and on and on. And I land in Vancouver and I go to the to the production office. And by the way, the this is like Rose, goes, this is like Rosenbaum showing up. I read the script on the plane on the way up. <laughs> I actually think I, I actually just think I, I think I got it the night before. But it is possible that I had it for a few days and I didn't bother to read it till I was on the plane. Uh, and I get there and he goes, finally, we have a makeable script. And I'm like, what? I'd never read anything like it. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, so, I mean, Robert. were you overwhelmed? Robert. Robert Petrovich. No, no, I wasn't overwhelmed, although I had never really done a lot of fire before. But, you know, back then. It, so, Rosen, so, we, so, Greg, we did that episode um, in the podcast earlier. And Rosenbaum was li Rosenbaum literally asked me, he goes, did they really shoot fire out of those sprinklers? And I was, yeah, yeah, we did. You remember how it smelled? Like it was, it was gas. We shot some kind of propane or gas out of those sprinklers. And I'm wrong. I got I nauseous. Wrong. A bunch of crew people got nauseous. Oh my God. Horrible. So it really was. Cause that was, people were asking know. those questions. Fans or listeners yeah. or co-watchers were calling in and they were asking I mean, us. So about just the what companies would you want to work for? Just capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like bank of America, which just earned the prestigious just capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. So like when you say, why was it chaotic? Just think about that one scene, you know, the effects guys had to figure out, okay, so we have to run water through the line and then on camera, switch water off through like 20 sprinklers and then pump in propane and ignite it like on camera. Like that's not a small technical feat, with people right? Around. And with people around, <laughs> with, with people, and it's it. Yeah, I don't know whether it was gas or propane, but like a lot of people got nauseous. I got nauseous. It was like pretty gnarly. It stunk, but it looked that's cool. Perfect. Did you did you butt heads a lot with uh, Alan Miles or the studio? Did you have to like fight for things, or were they usually it was they were always on your side? I always got the sense that you were sort of in rhythm with them. Not 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 arguing, but I always got the sense that you were in rhythm with them. Well, so what I learned as a human with Miles and Al, 
Um, Miles and Al got me comfortable with confrontation, which I previously had never been comfortable with. Mostly I was in harmony with them and I mostly wanted to execute their vision. And, you know, if I could, could make their vision, you know, bigger and better, uh, but we would periodically butt heads because they were, they would, they would not be happy a lot. You know, I'd get phone calls where they were looking at dailies and were just not happy with something that had happened. And I, I really wore all that. Like anytime they weren't happy, I was, it made me miserable for days and days. on end. That was a lot of the and Lex scenes, right? A lot of the Lex yeah, scenes. Yeah, I was just, we're looking at Rosenbaum's performance and <laughs> what the fuck? No, but they're perfectionists no. and they wanted everything to be great and their jobs are on the line. So they're probably going through a lot at the same time and they're trying to say, no, this is what we want. And you're, you're taking all the, the brunt of the, uh, the shit. Well, and, the, and like you they said, had, they're, they they're had, not there. You know, they're watching they had super things. high standards. And, you know. and I was, you know, I took on the assignment of, of making sure that their standards were met. Right. So whenever they weren't happy, I, I heard about it and I, and I, then I would be just, I would just be miserable for, but I, so sometimes we would fight or sometimes I would fight back or, you know, and then they'd fight back with me. And there was a couple of times where I was like, well, I guess I'm fired. <laughs> you really now, now I'm, now I'm fired. You really thought they were going to fire you. Oh, we had a couple of pretty gnarly phone calls that were way beyond my level of comfort. And, and then afterwards it was like, they were totally fine. Like it would be the next day and like Al would be laughing about it. And I, I realized like, oh, these guys can fight about something that they're passionate about. And I can take my position and fight back and we're all good. It changed my life because I, I literally got comfortable. Wow. But looking back, was that a discussion or was it just a fight? <laughs> Paging Dr. Freud. It was me no, defending like why what they wanted was unreasonable. <laughs> you know, that's you know what it is <laughs> like, that that that's like a hockey fight. Two guys fight on the ice and afterwards it's over. They can go have a beer together. But it was a new that was a whole new thing for me. And it was great. I mean, it really was great. And and I'm going to also say that after I left Smallville after five season five and I went to work on I've had this conversation with those two guys too. Like I went and worked with lots of other showrunners. I came back to those guys and said, like, I, now I appreciate you guys. Cause I really appreciated what they were great at, which is very uncommon. I've had showrunners who are just absentee landlords and that's a nightmare. And I've had showrunners who are like micromanagers and that's a nightmare. And those guys, like once they trusted you, just let, they, they were great delegators. I've never worked with guys who were as, as good at delegating once they trusted somebody. And so they really let me have a lot of freedom as regards production. Hey, Beeman, what was your favorite? What was your favorite episode that you recall? If all the episodes, what's the one you remember that you were most proud of? Well, what was it in season? Uh, I don't remember the names of any of them, but I think it was season three, the one where you're in the psych ward, right? And you're painting oh. at the beginning and then you like escape, you, you escape. Uh, and there was like, there was this underground tunnel you were moving through. I really felt like that whole episode was great. Wait, was that um, was that Lex or Clark? I feel like I Lex crazy. was it. Lex was in the Lex, Lionel had in, had um, put Lex into the psych ward, and he yeah. was yeah. in Arkham. Okay, uh, do you remember that? Yep. Rosenbaum, oh, I you, remember. You were painting. You were painting like uh, I think I did the painting. You did. You, you did like the painting. Sun, <laughs> and then you escaped, and you. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt, but like we're aside from this conversation we're having with you, we're actually talking about an episode where we get to see Warrior Angel, the comic book. And I and I, I the one memory I have from this episode is you coming in, showing me the comic book. I'm like, that's great. Who drew that? And you're like, I did. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Smallville was like, I had the, you know, I've never really to this very day. And I get asked, you know, I've done a lot of I went on. That was the first show I ever produced. And I, I now have produced 10 shows. But it's without a doubt the closest to my heart because, you know, things have happened on that show that never happened anymore. Like it was like, okay, 
like on Thursday, on Thursday nights, the night that the show aired, we would stop, we'd stop work in the production office and we'd go into like one of the offices and like everybody would like sit on the couch and watch the show together. Yeah. So like the, the production office team would like watch the show together. Every, everybody. And I also, I think I sort of helped initiate this, but it's like, come up with songs, guys, come up with songs. Like, you know, there's 10 songs per episode. Like we need songs. And, and you know, the PA, the production assistants in the office were coming up with like people were throwing ideas Tucky. that they would later see, you know, realized in the show. And so I've never been on a show where everybody top to bottom was so invested in it. You know, I speaking to the chaos and not to sound so like dramatic, but like, one of the reasons why it was fun to watch the show was because it was so chaotic to make it. You kind of wanted to see how it all came together. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, because like, didn't Rosenbaum... years went by, didn't, didn't it become less chaotic? I mean, that was yes. kind of my whole mission. My whole yeah. mission was to diminish the chaos. And yeah. I feel by season two and for sure by season three and beyond. Uh, well, the, 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 chaos... iron, the irony is, as the chaos goes away, you, you then fight um, complacency. You know what I mean? It's like we talk about guest stars being on the show. And I always being like, thank you for being here because you're mixing it up. You're changing it. Like, thank you for your energy. You know, it was, it yeah. was very helpful. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I, I learned something about myself too, because like around season four, when it was running really smoothly and I was like, Oh, okay. Now I'm kind of bored. Like let's, yeah. I, I sort of found out about myself that I kind of like that. I like going into the chaos and fixing the chaos. And then once it's fixed, I kind of, <laughs> I'm ready to move on. We love you, Greg. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. See Talk you buddy. Bye, boys. Bye. Just love that guy. You could just tell. I mean, we had so much fun with him. You're right. When when we heard that Beeman was directing the episode, you just got excited. You were like, "Oh, this is going to be more fun than it normally would be." Well, you just knew it was going to be good. You, no one's going to. He he was going to show up prepared. It wasn't even. You didn't have to think about that stuff. You just knew it was going to be great. Yeah. And and you're going to be taken care of. One of the things he told me when I started directing is he was like, he said, um, "Your job is is for for the, is to create an environment for the actor where they can feel safe." Mm -hmm. So they can be creative. He yeah. told me that. And then he like moved on and ate a sandwich. Like it wasn't like a big moment. <laughs> I have but, a story about Greg that I'll tell you after we're done recording that I can't say okay. on, on film, but it's one of the, my favorite moments in history. It's just, I I, oh, I want to say it, but I can't. Okay. All right. Now it's time for the hotline folks. So if you want to, um, call in it's very easy call 213-538-2883 and leave a message we're going to go to our patrons first patron privilege here we go bob k here we go let's see what bob has to say bobby bob come on bob hey old bob from new york uh episode stray for tom a lot of emotion a lot of empathy toward the ryan character tom what was your motivation for that or is that just all you uh i i i I guess it was all me because um, <laughs> I don't recall. I don't, I don't like, I don't, I just remember like knowing this. I think I remember just this kid. I want to help this kid out. And like, I think it probably helped that I was 22 and he was actually 15 in real life. That probably played into it a little bit. Um, hopefully otherwise it's just awkward, but um, yeah, I think it was just kind of, you know, we'll get into it later, but the first episode I directed of Smallville, there was a young girl in it and it was the same sort of just wanting to help guide them and be there for them and listen and i think that's a that's a good lesson for acting and i think it's a good lesson in life of just listen um that's what i saw in this thanks bob 
Garrett. Garrett W. here from uh, the Smallville Forever group on Patreon. Uh, my question is for the episode Stray uh, with Ryan Kelly, who plays Ryan. What was it like working with a younger actor um, as, you know, up to this point, you guys really hadn't worked with any younger co-stars. So what was it like working with Ryan? And, uh, you know, he does come back later on. Uh, do you guys have any good memories uh, working with him? Thanks so much. I remember, yeah. I remember farting in front of him, and he really liked that. I remember he laughed and he was always thought I was goofy and I just I had fun with you him. and him and JTT. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll get into that. But, uh, he was a nice kid as I recall. I really liked him. Tom. I mean, same. I mean, uh, you know, Kristen, you know, Sam, uh, Kristen, Allison were all younger than me at the time. You were not. And obviously Jonathan and Martha and everybody else, but, uh, everybody else was also more experienced than me. So I think this is, and I think Ryan was actually more experienced than I was. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have any bad memories. That's Good. for sure. Mickey. Hey, guys. This is Mickey from Michigan. Stray's really the first time that we see just how much Clark loves the bigger brother role. Do you think the side of his character should have been explored in one death in later seasons, either with the new series regular or just a more reoccurring guest star? And if so, how do you think it would have affected his ability to not only trust, but to rely on others in the future? Thanks for doing the podcast. I've been really enjoying you guys' commentary. Mickey, I love your voice. I love that you're from the East Coast. You got a cool sounding voice. Let me tell you something. I wish they would have explored it a little more. It was nice to see. Uh, Brian's going to get me sick now because he's fucking sick. But I think it was a nice story. And I thought, uh, you know, stories like that. I, I didn't want it to end. In fact, I was like, is there two? Is this a two parter? But it it wasn't. Um, but I, I, I thought it would have been cool. Tom? I, you know, it's this, that your question, Mickey, literally just brought this in my mind that the idea, and I wish I, I my performance could have been better if I realized at the time, um, Clark can't trust anybody um, yet. So when he meets somebody like Ryan, he gives that trust over, like he wants to be trusted. You can, you can confide in me. I will keep your secret. Um, I think that's a gift that Clark can give that he doesn't, you know, you see it with Lex. Um can I trust him? Can I not? Obviously, he, you know, his parents are good. But uh, yeah, I think that's what I think that's the takeaway from this episode. Rich. Rich, you're calling from Nowheresville, Illinois. In season one's Stray, what's the deal with Lionel fondling those two blue billiard balls during his last scene with Lex? It looked cool and the scene was great, but I had to wonder. Was that out. scripted? <laughs> Ryan wrote that down. I was like, um, interesting choice. He's always up to something. He's like, you know, he's. What can I do that's provocative? But do that's you Lionel. do you do you actually recall him asking for that, or just they were there and he picked them up? I'm was sure I I said something about it. I'm sure I said, oh, holding those blue balls, huh? And well, I'm sure he a made a joke of, like, oh, blue balls, Lex. Oh. Well, but a lot of times when, like, from the props department, if you're not using a prop, they take it away. It's not like if we're in the if we're in the southeast corner of the of the Luther office and you and I are in front of the desk. It's not like they put the billiards ball in the billiards table. Like those are stored somewhere. They don't have everything out all the time. So I'm just wondering if it was written or they were there or he asked for them. I think the balls were there. I think they usually had the balls on the table. All I wanted was for you to say something like I think the balls were there. <laughs> Here's That's Sarah. What I Let's talk to Sarah. That's what I want. Hey, it's Sarah calling from Georgia. My question is for Stray. 
I really love Ryan's character. And Ryan is actually one of the first people that Clark can be honest with and confide in, which is a breath of fresh air when you have him hiding a secret from everyone all the time. What do you think the series would have looked like if the Kents had actually adopted Ryan? I think it would have been too weird. Like he's always, he's always, he's always reading minds and shit. I think it would have been annoying. Like he's like, oh, Mr. Kent, you want to have sex with Mrs. Kent? Damn it, Ryan. <laughs> you know, I think it would have got annoying. And also it's, it's enough to deal with one kid with, uh, these issues or these things that, you know, that make him special. But like, you know, it's like two kids with superpowers. I don't know, man. I, I, I just know. think it's so funny that you went there so fast. Because I went to, well, inevitably, Ryan would have felt like he needed his own space and get out from underneath Clark's shadow. Like, that's where I went, like, story-wise. You're, like, reading the perv mind of Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> um, This is Fuller. Let's listen to Fuller's question. This is Fuller from Gainesville, Florida. My question is about episode 16 of season one, Stray. What about Ryan makes you think that he was the first quote-unquote freak of the week to come back as a recurring character in season two, having his own character named episode? Didn't the, didn't, doesn't that other kid come back? The bug boy? I don't, I don't, that wait a minute. That, I, so he comes back for season two? I don't know. <laughs> there is an episode in season two, according to IMDb, it's just called Ryan. And uh, apparently Clark goes to rescue Ryan from some sort of situation. In season is two. That, in season two. So Ryan comes back. Yes. Okay, so is this does the it, kid is has, it, in that episode, does he have an older brother? Doesn't Ryan get sick or something? He's dying? God, we, sound, we sound so stupid right now. But. Who cares? <laughs> Guys, if we sound stupid, we're figuring shit out. Give us a break. It's um, been a while. I'm sure the fans can write in and let us know what the hell's going on. They always do. I get texts or emails or, or, or messages all the time saying, you guys are wrong about this. Of course we're wrong. We're just actors for hire. We don't remember anything. We're trying. Uh, I, don't, I don't even read the scenes I'm not in. Leora says, do you think Ryan replaced his favorite superhero with Clark? And that's the reason he parted with this his comic? Yes, I do. That's exactly what he did. He even says it. He says, you're my superhero now. You're my hero, Clark. Um, overall, guys, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a little campy with the stepfather and the 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 woman and everything and but you needed that you, you needed, needed that as a, as a vehicle you needed that fuel also it sort of seems like you needed ryan this late in the season to because everyone's just been keeping secrets for, from each other he's just sort of like spitting it out like hey chloe loves you lana loves you <laughs> well watch out for lex yeah like it's like he's just sort of like calling it all out yeah, yeah. that's and true everyone. saying a lot of things that nobody knew already yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> exactly everybody but, knew that yeah shit. It's, it's um, like shining a light on it for sure. I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, the highlights were, you know, any scene with Ryan was really good when he got emotional. Um, you know, everyone was really good in this episode. Um, I like the scenes with Clark and Lex. I like the scenes with Clark, his family, <laughs> and Ryan. Um, you know, those were the really the, the moments I enjoyed the most. Yeah, the foil outside of the limo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that except for that moment um the low lights there were a couple exactly like the foil being given and uh you know a couple other campy moments but other than that i thought it was a, a fun episode and uh well i guess we're gonna have to um rate this son of a gun i am going to give it a i'm gonna give it i a like one. how i like how ryan uh, 
he doesn't figure it out beforehand. Neither do I, by the way. I don't either. I wait till the, none of I, us I, do. I, just, I don't. I like to talk it out and then see how I feel. Uh, one. One rose for Ryan Tez, Thomas yeah. Welling. Ah, uh, I was I was gonna say one point five, so I'm one point five. One point five. I think it's worth watching. <laughs> hmm. It's either one rose or a rose and a half for me. Well, I mean, be nice. If it's between the two, take. All right, I'll go one and a half. I'll go one and a half roses. One and a half roses for me and Tommy. Ryan gives it a rose. The death count, how many people got saved, how many people died? Three died. James Gibson shoots and kills a pawn shop owner, his wife, and a janitor. One person saved. Clark saves Ryan by hitting James with a bowling ball, knocking him out for the police to apprehend. By the way, not just died, blown away. Yeah. Like, like blown away. Blown away. By the way, I saw that thing. Um, I don't know who did it on Instagram, but I saw it where they started rating our rose ratings. Oh yeah, and I was, and I was actually like, it's amazing how close we are. Yeah, we're pretty like close. Pretty good. I'm a little more positive than you are. Damn it. Yeah. Through 16 you're, episodes, you're more 20. <laughs> I'm more realistic. 24 <laughs> dead, 30 saved through 16 episodes. And now it's time for Ryan's favorite scene. Oh, brought yeah. to you by. Uh yeah, Tom. I'm just uh, off the bat. Uh, it was a good scene, but it's not on my top three. Oh, oh that one. That, that scene. one scene that you mentioned. Right. Just to get that out of the way. Here we go. Uh, I just kept it to the end. Um, the scene where uh, Clark throws a bowling ball through the walls. Yeah. Uh, the last scene with Lex and Lionel, where Lex is standing up for himself and uh, the blue balls. Okay. And then the final scene with the epic needle drop of five for fighting. Because I gave it to Hero that one time. Oh. So two out, of, two out of the three have balls. Okay, I'm going to go blue balls. I'm going to go the song because he said he's been waiting for the song forever. I'm going to go with three. What is it, Ryan? It's three. Yes, I win again. Tom, you got to listen, buddy. The the cues are all there. The, the, the... Yeah, okay, so you heard the song. Big deal. The scene's not great. The scene, Lionel, like that's creative. But this like, this is it. Just encapsulates a, t- a time in history. I just don't understand how your mind works. Right. And now you're getting frustrated. Now you're taking it out on Ryan for his choices. <laughs> don't you can't be like that, Tom. You got to take I've got your 198 loss. more episodes to figure you out. <laughs> There's plenty of time. <laughs> uh, you know. This is uh, this was a fun episode, a good episode of talk. Thank you, Greg Beeman, our good buddy, director, oh. showrunner of Smallville, for being here. He'll be, he'll be back. We're going to keep bringing people on periodically. We still got want to bring Annette O'Toole on. We'd like to have Lana, uh, Kristen on again. Maybe we'll get Sam Jones. Maybe we'll get Annette O'Toole. Maybe Michael McKeon, who plays later. Uh, we'll get Aaron Ashmore. Um, uh, Eric. Do you mean Durant. Ian Ian Summerholden? He he won't do it. He doesn't even return oh, my emails. Do you know that I've known Ian since I was 19 years old? Really? You guys modeled. When he together. came on to Smallville, um, we hadn't spoken in a long like just for no reason other than we hadn't seen each other. And he was on set, and I was like, "Hey!" And he's like, "Hey!" I was like, "We've known each other for 10 years already." Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He does a lot for uh, the community and stuff. So good for him. Uh, once again, if you want to um, call in. <laughs> To the hotline 213-538-2883 and of course follow us on our handles we need you talkville at talkville podcast on facebook instagram youtube and tiktok at bill at talkville pod on twitter and of course patreon.com slash talkville 
to join Patreon and, and support the podcast. We could use your help. We're going to read the uh, the names of all the top tier patrons here in a second. But uh, that's it for this episode. Stick around next week as we have some more fun and talk about the episode number 17. It's called Reaper. Let's take the discussion online. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, on the socials. Uh, we told you about the hotline number. And, uh, you know, hey, this was a good time. It's always good to be with you boys. Ryan, feel better? I will try. Please do it. Yeah. Please feel better. Tom, always good seeing you. Thanks for having me, guys. And remember, folks, be good to yourselves and always hold on to Smallville. <laughs> we'll see you next week. It is now time for the shout outs or top tier patrons. We couldn't do this without you. Seriously. Seriously. Patreon.com slash Talkville. Tom, one thing I'll say before we start this, you got the Winchesters. Uh, it's the prequel to Supernatural. You got the professionals. I mean, Warner Bros. Tom Welling is, is owning the Warner Brothers lately. It's pretty cool, dude. I'm stoked <laughs> I did, for I, you. I think they're going to change the uh, the name of the network from CW to TW because we got uh, <laughs> the TW. Got two, two hours of Tom Welling back to back. This will never happen again, folks. Never. Next on the old new TW. <laughs> All right, cool. Congrats, man. Here we'll do the shout outs. Thank you. Nikki G, Leanne P, Raj C, Janine R, Santiago M, Leah S, Little Lisa, Tom T. Sophie M, Betsy D. Oh, your favorite. Who's that? Liliana oh, A. Oh, yeah. I always mess it up. Abhi P, Chris F, Kimberly E, Michael H, Ra, Ray H, sorry, Karen M. Danielle B, 99 more. Lalani N, Catherine P, Brett G, Super Sam, always hold on to Smallville. Jeffy, Estevan G, DJ Kento, T. Hmm. Garrett W, Just, JTR, Kimberly L, Teresa, Justin S. Yeah. Then we got Tom N, Tony V, Rodolfo V, Jason W, Osama A, happy birthday. <laughs> Nancy D, Brian G, Sarah W, Megan H, Artoon K, Justin T, and Lucy O. Grape Jelly 817, Jeremy G, Amanda R, Teddy 127, Michael P, Theo M, Ryan R, Grumpyitis, Jordan M, <laughs> Hillary B, The Blur with a three, Craig G, Christy R, Pollyanna, Karen P. Well done. Derek G, Jor L, my dad, Rachel S, Heather and Greg, Nico P, Jason Ramona, Brian H, Jason Momoa. <laughs> Just kidding. Jason M, Georgina B. Eric K, Kevin E, Craig, Ashley, Ryan, Nanine W, and Stephanie K. Aaron K, Darth A, Richard R, Thinky, Thinky. Kenny S, Sydney uh, S, Tito G, Mickey Mick, Logan D, Stephen F. Damn, who's that? Dead Vid, Allison H, General Zod, Warren N, Amara R, Ippy K, Theodore, it's underscore Kitty, Craig, K-R-A-I-C, Craig, Drew M, Connor M, and Nathan. You guys well are done. awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you. We'll see you next week, Tommy. Yeah, if not for you guys, we we wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> see you guys later. <laughs>